a good place to be. I, I feel sometimes we as a church take for granted what transpires around here week in and week out. Um, a few years ago, when this, while this building was being built, we had tore down the fellowship hall where our, we had a above-ground portable baptismal pool that we later give to Pomeria so that they would have a place to baptize. Um, but our fellowship hall, who, which sat somewhere in this vicinity, had been torn down, and so we had gotten rid of that, and we didn't have anywhere to, to baptize. And I called, and I'm not saying this to their detriment, please don't, that's, that's not the point, but I called four or five local churches and asked if we could use their baptismal pool on Sunday mornings um, after their service, and, you know, we would leave here, they would be out, and we could go there and just use their baptismal pool. And the first four churches that I called, um, one said, we've got the Christmas decorations in our baptistry, we would have to move those. Um, another one said, I don't even know if our holds water, it hasn't been filled in years. And one gentleman said, our heater's not working. We, we can't, you know, it'd be cold. And it makes me thankful and blessed to be a part. And you ought to be that way too. You ought to, you ought to want to be a part of a church where folks are continually getting saved. We baptized two people on Wednesday nights this month or this month or last month, this is the beginning of the month, we, on, on Wednesday nights. And we went three years here um, without having a week go by that we didn't have someone saved, baptized, or join our church prior to COVID. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen again because the best is yet to come. And you ought to want to be a place. You ought to want to be an owner, a member. We, we call members owners here because members have rights and owners have responsibilities. And we don't want you to just come here and say, well, I'm a member of the country club at Big Branch. No, you're an owner, and we expect you to take on responsibilities. So, But I'm thankful uh, for what happened with this family this morning. And I don't want to ever take it for granted. Uh, uh, to me, a church is dying if it's not living and seeing people saved and baptized and folks joining the church. It'd be, it'd be like you going to a ball game. Let me put it where the rubber meets the road. It'd be like you going to a ball game and your team never score. How many times would you continue to go to those ball games without losing you know, some form of excitement and faith and hope. That's why I tell people all the time, how do you know when you ought to uh, be a part and, 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 or leave your home church? Well, when God quits speaking to you there and you quit seeing things happening, and then they ask, well, how do I know where to go? Or I said, you, 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 you go visit. And when God speaks to you, then you ought to become an owner or a member of that place. And so um, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to talk down other churches. I'm just saying 
you need to be thankful and grateful that we see what we see here week in and week out, month in and month out. And I'm, I'm very thankful and blessed to be a part of it. That was not the message, by the way. I've got another hour and a half's worth, so don't get excited. I always want to speak 30 minutes. I've never done that successfully, but I want to. And <laughs> someone said this morning, and God bless you, Susie, um, enjoy my preaching. I, I tell a story of a, of a lady. Um, she said, Pastor, um, you know, her name was Mrs. Brown and not our Mrs. Brown. Um, she said, you know, you're a model preacher. I, I said, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And she said, you know what a model is, don't you? And I said, yeah. She said, it's a small imitation of the real thing. And, you know, so. <laughs> Never going to let my head get too big. But. Uh, we've been in the book of Romans now 27 or 28 weeks um, and intend to uh, finish the these next four chapters, uh, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, the first eight chapters in the book of Romans are, we're, we're just, they're all doctrinal and theology. Um, the last three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, are dispensational. You say, what's that big word? That simply means they're, they're discussing the time, the past, the present, and the future of Israel. And these next four chapters are for those of us sitting in this room, and uh, they discuss Christian living. So those of you that are not Christians this morning, you're going to get a little break because I'm going to speak to Christians this morning. And, and it deals with their Christian living and duty. It's actually the practical application of doctrine and theology. Um, it, it, it's easier understood by my translation. Um, your behavior needs to equal your belief. And your learning ought to equal your living. Your creed, what you believe, uh, you know, ought to equal your conduct. And um, some have stated that this is where the gospel walks in shoe leather, and that is a true statement, these next four chapters. Um, it's the, there's a new terminology that, you know, um, younger, more modern people use. It's called relational theology. And, um, but please understand the idea is not new. When you hear someone talk about relational, theology, they're simply saying that you ought to practice what you preach. You ought to live what you've learned. You ought to, you know, your behavior ought to match up with your beliefs. And so, but this idea is not new. And it, it, it simply is, is if, if we have the right relationship with God, we will have the right relationship with people. Um, and, and it, it's, if not, there's a word for that too. It's called hypocrisy. So if, if, uh, 
however the shoe fits, you wear that this morning. 1 John 4.20, a verse that I've memorized from when I was a kid, says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. So we, we need to take that to heart. Um, uh, Paul really does not mince words in, in these four chapters. He simply deals with Christian conduct. And um, the conduct of Christians must be expressed in this world by, by their relationship to those that we come in contact with. Uh, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Um, if, if, if you have a, a snooty, uh, snotty, <laughs> uh, hypocritical, uh, nasty, mean spirit with those, then you need to check your Christian uh, relationship with the Lord um, because we, we're supposed to live out Christ in our life. And he is not in these passages, this is all kind of a pretext, he is not in these passages giving us new set of rules. Um, uh, he's not uh, replacing the Mosaic law uh, with another legal system. Um, this is not, these four chapters is not uh, uh, legalism 101. Um, this is not separation. You'll hear that word in a lot of Christian circles. This is not separation 101 um, that we're getting ready to involve our, our, our preaching with for the next few weeks. But there's some that would have you believe that um, in Christian circles. Many legalists or these separated Christians um, because they have a list of do's and or don'ts. You know, I, I don't do this, I don't do that. And they have this comprehensive list. You know, we, we wear, we, we, I call them Bible thumpers. They, they carry their big Bible. They get their family Bible out and carry it into church on Sunday morning with their tie. And, and I'm not mocking them, talking about folks that wear a tie and a suit to church. I wear blue jeans and have since we was in the old building. Um, I used to preach and say uh, years ago that, you know, you're welcome to wear your blue jeans. I don't care how you come, just so you come. And I was walking down an aisle over in the old building and, and a guy reached out and grabbed me by the arm and he looked me right straight in the face. He said, you're the biggest hypocrite in this church. Hmm. I thought, okay. And he said, you tell us we can wear whatever we want and I've never seen you in a pair of blue jeans in this church. You've never seen me in anything else since then. Um, because... Um, it, it was convicting, and um, I, I, you know, you just don't realize it. And so, um, but this comprehensive list of these 25 or 30 or 50 things that the legalists teach, um, they'll teach that legalism from these four chapters. And, uh, and, and yet they'll never discuss relational 
Christianity. Uh, they'll never discuss, um, you know, how you ought to treat other people and how you ought to live your life. But we have this set of rules and regulations that we want you to live by. And, and, and legalism is simply, you say, what's that, what's that mean? That simply means you've got to do these things plus Christ in order to be saved or stay saved or act like you're a Christian, and that's not true. Just, just let me get that out there. Um, there but, but the passage we're going to read really does, you know, touch. And, and yet these folks that live by these rules treat others like hell about 99% of the time, and God even however they like. Um, and, and yet you say, well, how can you make that stuff? I know their lifestyle well because I lived and, and was in their camp um, for many, many years. And so um, if you read this real close, we're only going to get into two verses this morning, and if you read it real close, Paul plainly states as he begins with the word, therefore, therefore. And I, I, as I always say, um, when you see the word therefore, you want to go back and find out why it's therefore or what it's therefore. So let's read the first two verses of Romans uh, chapter 12, and you read along with me. This series is called Read It For Yourself. Um, and and I, I think so many people would not be confused if they'd just read the Bible themselves and, and see what it says. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There, here's a word you don't hear much anymore. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In my opinion, Paul is holding up the first 11 chapters of Romans saying, here's what you believe, here's what we're supposed to believe. And, and he's got it in his hands and he states, therefore, I beg you, which is a language of grace, beg. I don't command you, I beg you. I beg you that God who is rich in mercy, God who has compassion and pity and understanding that never fails, I beg you that you present your bodies and your minds and your will and that you serve him. That's the, the simple translation of what he's saying. And he's speaking that to Christian people. He's not telling those that are unsaved that's never trusted Christ, you, you straighten up and fly right. No, he's saying to Christians, you straighten up and fly right once you get saved. Not get to get saved, but once you get saved. And so we, we, we've got to be careful because we start mixing works with salvation by grace when we say you must live this in order to be saved. And that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, I beg you, if you've trusted Christ, that you present yourself holy, acceptable unto God. 
and, and that you present your bodies, your mind, and your will, and you serve him, that you live for him, that you behave out of gratitude, not out of necessity, but because of the mercies of God, that his compassion, the love that you have, that, that, that not, not a legal to-do list, you know, not uh, it, 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 it is the same language that Paul um, uses in, in, in Corinthians, First Corinthians, I believe it is chapter 6, where he says you're bought with a price, you know, and he wants to draw attention to the mercy of God. Now go live for Christ. Go love your neighbors, your friends, your family. Go witness to your lost, unsaved family members and, and your neighbors and therefore glorify God in your body. And, and, and so it's that exact same. And then he describes to us Christian dedication, living a life of Christ involves three simple steps. It's not that complicated. It's what he tells us in these verses. And the first one is uh, you give God this body where the shoe leather meets the road. Christianity. That's, that's what it is. You give God your body. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but most of us, before we were saved, we used our bodies for sinful pleasures. And some still do. And, and we had all these purposes of life that we were going to do with our body. Uh, and, but once you trust Christ, your body becomes the new home of the Holy Spirit. Now you, you put that in your pipe and smoke it. A place where God dwells. God dwells inside of you. And all the junk and everywhere you go, things you say, the things you do, as you're representing Christ, Holy Spirit's living inside of you. You say, you got scripture for that? Yeah, but that's not the context of this message. You just take it for granted, and I'll prove it to you sometime with scripture if you want to hear. But the Holy Spirit dwells in you. God dwells in you. Let that soak in. The next time you're going to go off and cuss somebody out like a blue streak, let that soak in. The next time you're going to spew hatred and racism and anything else that you can think of, I, 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 that just comes to mind. Realize that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And by the mercy of God, what God has done for you, is that really the way you ought to be conducting and living your life? He, he, you know, it, it, God lives in you. Paul states this in many other multiple, multiple places. Uh, Christ shall be magnified in this my body, Philippians 1.20. Jesus might be manifest in our body, 2 Corinthians 4.10. Use the members of your body as instruments of righteousness, Romans 6.13. I could quote on and on and on verses where he's saying we are a living sacrifice now that ought to be living to the glory of God. And, and he even states in this passage, if we go back and look, 
Present your body a living sacrifice. In other words, once you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you ought to be living for him. And that living comes out in everywhere you go. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop for the legalist when you leave out of this door and the facade that you've put on. That I'm this perfect individual. That's, that's not it present in the original means to present once and for all. When you get up from an altar or from your seat where you stand, maybe here on a Sunday morning, or wherever it is that you put your faith, driving down the road in your car, on your couch, if you're whenever you got saved, you're supposed to once and for all present your body a living sacrifice and it's a lifetime commitment, much similar to our wedding vows. Till death do us part, God, I'm going to serve you with my body. Then Paul gives us two reasons for this commitment. Because of the mercy of God, he saved your soul mercifully. Give us what grace, you know, we, 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 we get what we didn't deserve. Mercy. God has mercy on us and we didn't get what we do deserve, which is hell. Grace and mercy. And he says that's why that you should serve God and give him your body for his glory. God has done all of this. Why? And... And, and, and everything he does for you, how he provides for you, your job, your home, the vehicles that are sitting on your driveway, your health, your wealth. We sit in this room this morning and everyone in this room, I don't care what your financial situation is, is 99% more than the rest of the world. You think about that. Doesn't look like any of us going without a meal lately. We're, we're blessed above and beyond. And by the mercies of God, you ought to just be thankful that He saved you. He gracefully reached out to you and saved your soul. And everything you have, you can lose tomorrow. Just, just let your health go to pot in about five minutes and see what can happen with your situation. A reasonable service. When you really understand and appreciate the grace and mercy of God, you'll present your body. Not that you have to, but you want to. It's not a have-to list of things we do. It's I want to give God my body and serve Him. My time, my money, my resources to help spread the gospel. It is out of gratitude and thankfulness. We're all going to have a Thanksgiving dinner probably in the next few weeks. 
And it's really not a time to just reflect on my family, get them all together. It's a time to thank God that I even am still alive, that I know for sure I have a home in heaven that was paid for by a Savior. And it was as simple as me thanking him and putting my faith and trust in him and asking for forgiveness of my sins and believing that God accepted his death as a payment for my sins. He wrote the check so that I can have a home in heaven. It's just that simple. He reached down and bought me and sought me with his redeeming blood. (laughs) Hallelujah, what a Savior that he'd even save a wretch like me. And it's the reason that I worship, that I give, that I serve. And that ought to be your attitude also. That ought to be your quote of thankfulness and the reason that we do what we do. The second step in this dedication and surrender process is you give God your mind. Now, this one has become more and more complicated over time. Um, We live in a day and age where the world tries to control our mind. And, and you, you, you just turn on a television and try to watch TVs, even Andy Griffiths. Find something wholesome and good. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've about quit. I, I don't bow. I have quit watching television. Um, I, I, I refuse to have culture dictate to me what I believe and what I accept. I watch three things on TV, and I don't even watch two of them anymore. Uh, so that's pretty wild. I used to say I, uh, I, I watch news, sports, and weather, and I've quit watching the news because one side's so far to the left and the other side's so far to the right. You can't even find an in the middle unless you make it up yourself. And, and the weather, I, I can... I can get it on this little idiot box I carry anymore, and it's more up to date. So I can, I watch the weather there. I get look at the weather. So the only thing I really watch is is some football and and a few sporting events. And if, I, I'm not telling you that's what you ought to do, because that's just giving you a to do list. I'm just telling you what I do. So I, I try to spend my time reading, and. The, the reason I say that is because the average 30-minute TV show, there's 16 to 18 minutes, now you think about that, of commercials. 16 to 18 minutes of commercial. And now, because of what's happening in our nation and in our culture, they're trying to introduce racism back to us. You know. And, and when you look at it from that perspective, I've got better things to do with my time than allow somebody to control my time and my mind. And TV show, radio. Have you tried to listen to your radio? Uh, I, I, man, Linda got us, uh, what's that called? Amazon Music, that's the best thing in the world I've ever had in my entire life. I can listen to the Oak Ridge Boys. I can listen to Big Daddy Weave. I can listen to anybody I want to. And no commercials. Woo, be thank God. 
No commercial. You can't even listen to K-Love half the time or one of those because it's commercial laden. They have days where that's all they do is commercial. What is that? Mind control. It's about mind control. And, and you know, when you think about it, I, I was gone a week or so recently. 793 emails had backed up on my computer over a four-day period. And when I deleted them all, went through and picked out, well, I had seven apart from my six. Six, seven, eight, seven. I had seven. I can count to 20. One, two, three, four. I had seven apart from my daily devotion that mounted to anything. And here's what's sad, and I've got to tell them myself. I used to vote Democratic years and years ago. And, and simply because of the unions that I was involved in where I was in construction. And then I started leaning and voting. I, I really just vote Jesus. I don't care if they're a Democrat or a Republic. I vote for the best person that carries a moral standard and, and I feel will best represent God in this book. But now I get them from every, both sides. I don't just get the 6,000 from the Trumpites. I get them from the Bidenites on both sides. So I have all these emails of Democrats and the Republicans. And it's like, they're just overwhelming. What is that? It's mind control. They're wanting me to think and be controlled. My mind, the politics, the advertising that you see over and over. This phone, my God goodness. Uh, I read the other day, now, now here's one for you. I read the other day where the average person spends three hours and 43 minutes a day. That's average person. Three hours and 43 minutes a day staring at this little idiot box that we carry in our pockets. And this really one of the best things that ever happened to me. I used to have to have a pager, a GPS. I had nine different items that this thing's replaced from a pad that I carried notes on, my to-do list, I can just go on and on and on and on and on. But to spend three hours and 43 minutes, do you realize that's 1,370 hours a year staring at that thing? The average person, put this in perspective, only works 2080, 22,000 and 80 hours a year on the job. They're spending three-fourths of that or almost more than half looking at their phone. Mind control. It's all about mind control. And whether it's politics or advertising or, or YouTube videos, uh, uh, pornography. You can just go on and on and on about the mind control that's on that phone. And I, I, uh, people sit in restaurants. Uh, you can go in the average restaurant. When you leave today, if you go out and eat, you just sit and look how many people are sitting in the table across from someone else and staring at their phone. <laughs> mind control. Uh, no wonder our homes are in the shape they're in. 
The first thing we do is hand our kid a phone or an iPad or a television. Say, sit down and watch this. I've got things to do. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Trash in equals trash out. That's not my preaching. That's my pastor's preaching. Trash in, trash in your eyes, trash in your ears equals trash out of your mouth and out of your heart and out of your hands. God wants to transform your mind. Do we really need to know where our friends ate dinner yesterday evening? You say, no, you're being a hypocrite. No, I, 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 I've about quit Facebook too. It's what you use it for or don't use it for is when it becomes a problem. And if you're allowing media to control your mind, it, it, your, your child's mind, my goodness, um, it's not going to be transformed by the differing medias that you put in front of your child. It's not going to happen. Well, maybe it is, but not to their good or their advantage because God asked us to give them our mind in this passage. Um, we, we can't depend on our schools anymore. If you haven't learned anything in the past six months, you ought to learn that. If you, if you read the news or, or watch it, the, 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 the stuff, the filth that they're teaching in our schools, not, not all of them, not every teacher. I mean, thank God we've got 13 or 14 teachers that sit in this sanctuary almost every week. And, and I know we've got a school system that we're a part of it with FCA that at least gives us the liberty to come in uh, Michael's there three times a week in the high school and middle school and gets to spend 20 minutes leveraging the opportunity to present the gospel. Many of you sitting in this sanctuary are here is because of Michael's ministry that, that we do through FCA, reaching the kids that reach the parents. But it's, it's, it's all about the mind control and and. They just don't teach. Kyle and I stood there this morning. They don't teach moral values anymore in the public school. They don't, there, there is no right and wrong. It's live however you want to live. Everything's do what you want to. It's a free spirit. The things of God are not there. I had two teachers when I was in middle school, I guess it would have been, in the old community center here at Chesapeake. Both of them's last name was Thacker, and their Bible was on their desk. They'd bust your rear end with a paddle, but their Bible was on their desk. You shouldn't depend on the schools. You can't even depend on your church, to be honest with you. And I'm not bad-mouthing our church. I'm just telling you, we're, we're, we're not the only source for teaching and raising your kids. And you're going to stand before God for your kids and what you teach them. Amen. At home, not the church. It's your responsibility. 
to control the minds and input God's word and the moral standards of right and wrong in your kids. Don't, don't think someday you're going to say, well, preacher didn't do it. They didn't do it in the classrooms. It's not their responsibility. We're just a support group for you. It's your responsibility to teach and raise your kids. And, and I'll promise you that's not fulfilled by handing them a phone, an iPad, or a TV clicker. We are not to fashion our life and control by those around us and be controlled by them, even those in church. Because the, the truth of the matter is you don't want to watch some of what you see out of church folks anymore. It's a facade. Let's get our Sunday go to meeting clothes on and go to church. We're talking about relational. Relational. Theology, to where what you believe comes out in what, how you behave. That's what Paul's saying in these verses. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit working from within. We, we ought to be real. We need to be natural. We need to be genuine. We're not, I'm not talking about sinless perfection this morning. But we are to be changing into the image of Christ from glory to glory is what Paul states in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It's like a metamorphosis of that caterpillar into that butterfly. We ought to be metamorphosing into Christ day by day so that folks, when they see you, See Jesus in the way you live and the way you give and the way you serve and the way you treat and the way you act at work. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this gradual transformation that transforms us spiritually. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say when you got saved, you're going to just get up and say, I'm a perfect person now and I've got this. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what he deals with last, and I'll close. You're to give God your will. That's the third step. Most Christians believe living the Christian life is a matter of willpower. Let me, you know, self-control. Let me tell you, if you're a new Christian, this is the farthest thing from the truth that God's Word has never taught self-control or personal willpower. It's a travesty that that's taught in Christian circles. It's a travesty, and, but why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible for you to live the Christian life on your own. It's impossible. It's a detriment to folks in their Christian walk, to new believers, to preach that kind of foolishness. But, and, and if you never hear another word I say, you get mad and get up and leave, and, and, and you, you don't learn anything else from this series out of the book of Romans, and you never come back again, bless God you're going to hear this before you get out the door. This Bible that I hold in my hand 
does not teach self-help Christianity. It does not teach it. And you, you do not save yourself. You cannot keep yourself saved. And the fact of the matter is you cannot live Christian life by yourself. It's an impossibility. Every aspect of getting saved, of keeping yourself, your salvation, and living the Christian life is a work of God. Every aspect of it. And you say, well, I don't know that I believe that. Then you don't believe the Bible. Because Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which I have done, but according to His mercy. He, He, He saves us through the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. According to His mercy, He saves us. Your part is simply, I believe. I put my faith and trust in the finished work of the cross. That's how you get saved. You can't keep yourself saved. I'm going to live this righteous life and keep myself saved. That's a matter of believing sinless perfection, and that's an impossibility too. You say, well, I'm a good person. I didn't say you wasn't, but you're not going to keep yourself saved by your good works. 2 Timothy 1.12 For this reason I also suffer these things, Paul wrote. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, I don't hope so, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that He, 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 listen to that, read it yourself, He is able to keep that which I committed unto Him until that day. Read that yourself. Man, I know in whom I've believed in and, 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 and He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him until that day. If you are going to be transformed from the time you got saved, you must surrender your will to God through a disciplined prayer life daily. It's that simple. God, it, it, it's, it's, I wish I had one. If everybody in this room, you don't have to, you can get it on your idiot box. If everybody in here would put our daily bread on your phone or some devotion, I, I, I'm just partial to them because it's what the guy that I work for is a 19-year-old kid handed me an Our Daily Bread and said, you need to read this every day. I said, can I do it at work? He said, yeah, on your break. He handed me one. Now you can get it on your phone. It comes to you as an email every morning. You say, well, I ain't got time to read it. You can listen to it because it's got a thing on there where they can play it for you. You don't even have to read it. But if everybody in this room would get up every morning and spend about five minutes Read a couple verses of scripture and listen to a devotion or read a devotion. It will transform your life. 
I've been doing it for now many, many years. And that's how simply you say, well, if it's good enough for you, it ought to be. That's my thoughts too. Just do a devotion of the morning. Five minutes. Because if when you do that, at the end of that time of reading a few verses of Scripture and having somebody put out in personal application in front of you, if you'll say, God, help me to yield my body, my mind, my will to you. If you do that every day and to the Holy Spirit, day in and day out, every day, not my, what, what did Christ say in the Lord's Prayer? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's turning your will over to the Lord daily as a Christian. God, who you want me to date is what I tell the young people. What kind of job you want me to do? Because that's part of your will. I, I want to be this. No, what's God want you to be in life? And if you are whatever it is that you want to be, then you're a Christian construction worker. You're a, a Christian housewife because that's turning your will over to God. I yield my life to you. I, I, I refuse personally to, to stand before God someday. And the fact is I vowed uh, September the 12th, 1976 to preach the truth in love. And you're not going to stand before God someday and blame me for not knowing the truth. And uh, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, if, if <laughs> no one is going to meddle in my preaching and money will not influence my decisions, I'll base them on right and wrong and, and I'll be loyal to principle, not an institution or individuals. And I will be a friend to my friends no matter what they do or whether you like them or not. And if you're under the sound of my voice, I will not have your blood on my hands. You read these two verses yourself, keeping in mind the total circumference of the Scripture. And do not allow some preacher or teacher to pull out individual verses out and twist the truth. Do not allow your family to waller. You know what waller is, don't you? Probably not in the dictionary, but that's what a hog does. Do not allow your, your, your family and, and your friends to wallow around in some self-help works denomination struggling with victory without showing them the truth that they are to dedicate, surrender, give God their body, their mind, and their will. Life is too short to live that way. This is not some new message. It is only as Christians 
when we yield, surrender, and die to self, all one and the same, yield, surrender, die to self, that our will to God, that the power of the Holy Spirit will give us what we need to be victorious in our Christian life. We must let God have his way in every aspect of our lives. Oh, if everyone in this room understood this and would live it out in their day-to-day life, getting up every morning, spending just a few minutes alone with God and His Word and, and start the day by yielding their mind, body, and will to God. I, I, folks, I'm not talking super Christian stuff here. <laughs> it, oh, it's hard. I, I used to hear them in church. It's hard to live the Christian life. No, it ain't. You spend two minutes of the morning and reading your Bible, surrendering your mind, your body, and your will to the Lord and obeying the Holy Spirit. I know folks that will get up an hour early and go to the, they say, well, I don't have time. I can't do this. It's too hard. Bless God, they'll get up and spend an hour, get up an hour early and leave their family and go without breakfast and run off to jog or go lift or, or run or swim to a gym and say, I ain't got five minutes for God before I get up in the morning. Are you a fool in any other area? Man, get you a devotion and start tomorrow living for the Lord and spend five minutes a day and I'll promise you He, not you, He will transform your life. The way you live, the way you talk, the things you do, the way you treat other people. Five minutes a day. You think about that, 60 times 24, and all we want is five minutes to give God so that he'll transform your life. Let's stand.